Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Mindful Metal Jacket. I thank you for listening. I'm happy you're here. I don't know how many people are here listening, but I keep getting messages and uh, reviews. So maybe it's a few hundred people. I think it's a few thousand, a couple thousand at least. I don't know. Got to talk to uh, my producer, I suppose. Um, speaking of which, go. Uh, most of you are probably listening as podcast form, but this is also on YouTube. I know people want to watch and listen to podcasts on YouTube. And uh, you can go subscribe to the laugh button on YouTube. It's up every week. If you subscribe there, there's a bunch of other hilarious, great stuff. Um, but you'll get, I guess, an update. I don't really know how a lot of things work. But if you subscribe, I think it pops up in your feed or something. I don't know how YouTube works. I'm not great at it. But I do have a YouTube special that's out right now. Comedy Central's YouTube. They did the bulk of the work as far as the technical aspect. Anyways, most of you, not most of you, many of you, maybe all of you, I don't know what number, but many of you have uh, watched that and um, shared it. And uh, if you haven't, I hope you do it. I hope you could do it now. Check it out. Give it a thumbs up and a nice comment that helps the algorithm, I guess. And share it on your Insta story, your Twitter, your or text or phone call. I mean, you go old school call a friend. I'm always encouraging people to make phone calls in this, uh, on this podcast, reach out to friends, touch base, touch genitals, and, um, let them know to check out. I hate myself on YouTube. And, uh, I do hate myself often, but that's something I'm working on here. We talk about it a little bit on this week's episode. And, um, Ted and I talked about it on that episode. I do recognize the duality of the uh, title. And it was on purpose. So I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you enjoyed the special. Thank you. Anyways, subscribe to uh, the laugh button on YouTube. Subscribe to Joe List on YouTube also. I got some pretty low low subscriber numbers. Not sure about the laugh button. But if you do like podcasts on video, the video is up now. We, we switched to video format. A bunch of people were uh, giving me the business for not being on YouTube. It is on there now. Um. And they each get like a few hundred views and maybe there's a couple thousand listening. Doesn't matter. What am I talking about? I'm going off on a tangent. Um, anyways, thank you for listening. Thank you for spreading the word about this podcast and watching the special. It means a lot to me. It makes me feel good. This week, my friend Rosebud Baker is on. Uh, Rosebud is a fantastic comedian and a very nice person who I like very much. And I was happy to chat with her. We had a good conversation um, we talk about therapy, her history of therapy. We talk about going to kindergarten and feeling like everyone knew each other and being upset by it. Uh, we have some laughs and, uh, we talk about sobriety and, uh, we're both sober people. We discuss that a little bit and that's how we've become friends. Well, through comedy as well, of course, she's a comedian who you should check out. I think it's Rosebud Baker on Twitter and Instagram. Um, she plugs it towards the end and she has two of her own podcasts that you can check out. And, um, and you can listen to this conversation. It's, uh, I think, fun and funny. I enjoyed it very much. I kept hearing some sound thing. I'm just going to apologize for that. I tried to go find my headphones. So there's weird moments in the podcast. I leave for a couple seconds to find my headphones, and then my headphones don't work. And I kept hearing weird sounds, but she wasn't hearing them. So I'm hoping that you don't hear them. Um, but that's just my uh, anxiety taking over in the, middle, in the midst of the podcast. 
So I hope you enjoy it. I hope you go follow Rosebud, check her out. She's very funny. I think you'll enjoy her. And um, yeah, it was great. So subscribe to my YouTube, subscribe to Laugh Buttons YouTube, and uh, you can watch it on YouTube if you want. Spread the word, tell some friends, keep um, subscribing on uh, wherever you listen to podcasts and leaving those really nice reviews. They're very touching. And uh, all the emails and tweets and Instagrams have all been really nice. So thank you to all who have spread the word and keep listening. Uh, I mention them a lot. I love uh, Alan Watts. So I thought I'd do a quote from Alan Watts. I'm reading this book, uh, Ego is the Enemy by Ryan Holiday that was mentioned a couple episodes ago. And um, I'm enjoying it. And in the middle of it, there's a quote from Alan Watts, who I love. He has a book called The Wisdom of Insecurity, which is one of my favorite books ever. And um, you should check that. I would, I would read that book before this book. But anyways, here's a quote from Alan Watts. A person who thinks all the time has nothing to think about except thoughts. So he loses touch with reality and lives in a world of illusions. Mm-hmm. We all know what that's like. All right, folks, don't live in a world of illusions. Go do something. Anyways, first thing you can do is listen to this conversation between myself and the wonderful, the delightful, the hilarious Rosebud Baker. I think we're recording. We're recording. This is it. We're live. You hit it? Yeah. So (laughs) I think it's... I. I should mention, I do no prep. I have no questions. I have no, I didn't, I didn't watch anything or read anything. I'm just That's like, uh, I'll talk to Rosebud for an hour. That's great. That's perfect. I, uh, I didn't do, actually, you know what? I did listen to this podcast. Oh, I no. listened to it. Well, I know, but it was you and Bobby. Oh, So fun. I was like, I, you know, I was like, I'll listen. And, and uh, I never really listened to podcasts before I do them, but today was, uh, one of those days where you're just sitting around and you're like, maybe I'll listen to my friends talk. How was it? Was it good? It was horrible, Joe. (laughs) That was a a real delay that made me nervous. (laughs) No, it was good. It was good. You guys, and you guys are so close. It was like very easy to talk. It was almost like, it really felt like, uh, I mean, I know people, I'm not reinventing the thought wheel here, but uh, felt like listening in on a conversation between two people because that's exactly what I was doing. Yeah, but I know what you mean. Certainly it is a conversation between two people, but sometimes it sounds whatever douchey. Well, it just sounds on, you know what I mean? Right. Like with yeah. two comics, it See, can you run the risk of sounding kind of disingenuous a little bit. I mean, not to others, but I think to comics. Right. Yeah. That's why this podcast, I wanted to have a podcast where no one, we don't have to be on. We can really be just off and sad. I'm going for sad. (laughs) Well, you booked the right person. Great. Are you a sad person? Um, you know, I think normally if you had asked me that question, like last year, I think I'd be like, no, I'm not a sad person. I'm not an anxious person. I'm not, I would say that I have anger issues, but uh, I think this year, uh, all that stuff has come up. 
like all that, uh, I've just had enough downtime to really figure out what's underneath the anger. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, it's funny you say it because I, I have that. Sometimes I think that um, I confuse uh, emotions where I'm like angry and then I'm actually sad. Wait, are you hearing a clicking? What's going on there with the clicking? Nothing. Oh, I mean, I'm shit. not clicking. <laughs> I'm hearing something. What? I think it's me. I don't know I what's felt... going on. Oh, fuck Is it me. my mic? I think it might be mine. You're not hearing that? No. Oh, shit. This happens almost every episode, by the way. I lose my mind that the sound sucks. <laughs> Maybe I need headphones. Should I hearing... get headphones? I got no headphones. Get, get some headphones. All right. Hold on one second. We'll, we'll cut okay. this out. Hold on one second. Okay. I'll be right back. You talk. All right. You know, you could just pause. Well, Joe, you're probably listening to this later, but you can pause the recording uh, on Zoom. There's like a bar on the bottom and you can just, or actually at the top, and you can just press pause. All right. I'm back. Oh, shit. Is there? Yeah. Fuck. Now we're going to have to edit this. This is too long. I can tell. <laughs> All right. I got headphones. Great. Oh, now I can't hear you. Oh, fuck me hard. <laughs> All right. I'm just going to have to go with the popping. All right. That's fine. I'll tell my producer to cut this out. Um, all right. But anyway, so what I was going to say is that, um, yeah, sometimes I think I, I have my emotions confused where I'm like, oh, I'm just angry. And then my therapist will be like, maybe you're sad. And then you're like, right. oh, fuck, maybe, you, maybe I am sad. Yeah. I think most of the time when I do get angry, it's like uh, I go into this like this insane kind of anger. And then right when it's over, I'll start to cry. So I know that it's, that's what's actually like happening. But um, unless I'm actually, unless it's like a righteous anger, in which case I, I just feel right. And uh, it's like really hard to let go of. But I do, like this year's been crazy because I just, I really have like felt, um, like I didn't think that I had anxiety at all. And then I realized like not everybody has this like deep fear of being poisoned. And I, <laughs> this just started coming up where like I would go home from seeing friends or, or whatever. And I would, and this was even before the pandemic, I'd leave a show, I'd be driving home and I'd be like, I was poisoned. And I, and I, I would, I would freak out so much that I felt like I couldn't drive. And I was like, this, I, somebody had to point out to me that that's anxiety because I didn't know. Yeah, that I, sounds like anxiety, maybe even OCD or something. I mean, that's like... Yeah, it's like, it's like an OCD version of anxiety is what I heard. It's like contamination uh, fear, contamination anxiety. Interesting, because yeah. I know uh, we had... I think Greg Warren talked about this, and I have a couple other friends that have an, uh, a version of OCD where they... Um, get home and they think they ran over somebody. They hit someone with their car. Um, so that feels really? similar. Yeah, like, and they've, people will drive back to the site to make sure they didn't hit somebody. Yeah, yeah. So that, that mine is um, similar. Well, mine is all like based off of like, it, it, if I ate a cookie that came out of packaging that was sort of unlabeled, I'll be like, that was inedible. 
or if I eat something that the, the packaging looks like it might've been a little ripped or, or something like that. Like I'll just, I'll just freak out. I'll be like, holy shit. Cause it doesn't make sense to me why some, f- there's so many fucked up people in the world. And I'm like, one of them has got to think it's funny to put like LSD in a, in a popsicle. You know what I mean? And sure. I just, I'll be like that. And of course I've never heard of this happening to anybody, but I freak out about it. Like I'm like, I'm legitimately afraid of it. Interesting. I have that with food to some degree. And I mean, I, I know you're talking about food. I said it like you weren't talking about food, but I have that <laughs> with, um, with food similar to yours, <laughs> but mine is with food, but no, mine is with like that. I have that. I'm going to have uh, what do you call it? Like food poisoning or something like that. I'll, I'll eat. And like, I think mine is because my, my sister got food poisoning from Wendy's one time. And I remember her just like shitting, you know, blood and throwing up on me and whatever, whatever it was. And I remember shitting that, blood. Yeah. That part, I threw in the blood for fun, but um, yeah. although okay. that happened to Sarah also, she was shitting blood for like, a couple days All right, the election, election night, 2016. Yeah. Um, seriously, it was horrible, but anyways, oh. um, but I'm uh, so afraid of getting like food poisoning and I have people check my food all the time and look inside, look at my hot dog. I'm like, is that the right color or whatever it is? Is this spinach? Okay. I have people smelling my food all the time. So yeah. it's not that dissimilar. I guess it's in my mind, it's rarer to be poisoned but I could, I could be wrong about that. I don't know. Well, it's so, I hate it because it's so self-important. It's like, I'm not a dictator. You know what I mean? Nobody's trying to fucking poison me. And that's the part of it that like is embarrassing. Cause I don't care that I, I'm, you know, if I seem crazy cause I'm worried that I was poisoned at a party, like I don't give a shit about seeming crazy. It's just like, does this bitch think that she's like a French tyrant. (laughs) I hate that I I share the same phobia as Donald Trump, you know? Right. What have you been to uh, Russia? Did something happen when you were a kid? Like, is there some kind of what do you think the source of uh, of that is? What do you think? Like, not to be like a therapist, but like, what do you think? What are you really afraid of? I used to. Okay, so I used to have anxiety. I used to have anxiety attacks and I learned how to have them in this way that it was like, I could be having an anxiety attack sitting next to someone in a conversation and they would have no idea that it was happening because I just learned to manage them. And I think what happened is that the anxiety itself got fucking creative and was like, all right, I'm going to find a new thing that could, all of my anxiety is all around control, like control Mm -hmm. issues. And it was like when people started, uh, I think when I saw Sam, you know, uh, there's this guy that like brings around um, edibles. I almost said his name already, but there's this guy that brings around edibles in like to shows and shit. And they're always like in Tootsie Roll wrappers or in like actual Starburst wrappers. And whenever I see that, I'm just like, what the fuck, man? You know, because like I'm I'm just like this sober person at a party and candy's like the thing I was told to reach for when I first got sober. They were like, just have some candy if you want to drink. And now I'm like, that's not safe because it's like it could be an edible and it's got the same fucking wrapper. And how's anybody going to be able to tell me this definitely isn't an edible and this is if they're the same fucking wrapper? So 
that started off on this whole thing where I was like, all these edibles look like real food. Like they just look like food. And it was like horrifying to me that I could just be at a party and reach for a cookie. And all of a sudden it's, I'm like on another fucking galaxy. Right. And then you, then you've, now you've relapsed and you have to start sobriety over and then you're on a crazy binge and then your whole life. Yeah. 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 And it's like, and the whole thing is like, um, this is why when I was using, I never did fucking, I never did acid. I never like, I would do mushrooms, but I never did acid. Cause I was like, I don't want to know what's in here. Like, I don't want to go that deep into my own fucking mind. I always felt that way too. I never did any of those things. And I had the same thought then of like, I'm already having panic attacks and crying on the sidewalk and shit. I'm (laughs) like, I can't be fucking with that. But then now, now in in sobriety and meditation and all this shit and mindfulness, now I'm like, maybe mushrooms would have helped me. And I still, I have that come up all the time now where I'm like, maybe microdosing or mushrooms because I'm, I'm really into this non-duality meditation and, and, um, And, and no self and all this stuff. And mushrooms seems like a fast track there. So I'm trying to get there without it. But now I have that. I'm sober also. And I, I have this thought of like, maybe I should do mushrooms in Joshua Tree and, and stare at a tree. And then like all my anxiety would melt away. And I'm like, what happened? My dog disagrees with you. He's poisoned. Someone poisoned your dog. Oh my God. <laughs> um, no, I literally, the same thing comes up for me. I, I, I often think about that too. Like if I did it with the right intention and I did, uh, you know, if I just like made it a spiritual journey or whatever, then maybe I could do it. I, and you know, I, I'm not completely, uh, convinced that that's a bad idea, but I also am not completely convinced that it's a good one. And so I just don't do anything. I'm just like, I'm just going to put that question on the shelf for another 10 years or whatever. (laughs) I feel the exact same way. And it makes me feel better to hear you say that also, because I was talking to a sober friend and she was like, I know people that are sober that have done ayahuasca or drank ayahuasca 20 times. And I'm like, well, what is it? So that means it's okay. But then I know for a fact there's other sober people that if I was like, I'm thinking of doing mushrooms, they would fucking <laughs> smack me in the face and be like, get shut the fuck up and go, go home, go to yeah. a meeting, whatever, whatever it is. Um, yeah. But yeah, I do have, I go back and forth again. Like my mind is like, maybe I would see everything. I'd never have anxiety again. And then I'm also like, but then maybe I would drive out of Joshua Tree, go straight to, you know, Hollywood Boulevard and be like, <laughs> and start fucking yeah. prostitutes and whatever the hell, you know, hooking up with my yeah. nephew. Um, <laughs> yeah, for me, it's not, I'm not even worried about what I would do. I'm worried about like what I would see because there's so many like horrific things that my mind can come up with and doing uh, like serious hallucinogens like ay- ayahuasca or LSD. It's like, hey, would you like these illustrated for you in 5D? And I'm just like, no, thanks. I don't want to fucking live in my own uh, horror fantasies. <laughs> right. And, and that's interesting. You said, too, like your anxiety getting creative, which uh, is a great way to put it. And I think is the truth. It is doing that. Like from what I've read and I've, I read all this shit all the time is that your anxiety is a part of you that wants to survive. It has the same 
survival instinct as any other thing. And so when you start to, that's why for me, like when I get in the past, when I've gotten really started to feel meditation immediately, I get like anxiety right afterwards where I'm like, what is this? I just finished meditating. And it's cause like your anxiety is like, you're not getting rid of me. God damn it. And it'll get creative where it manifests for me in like tooth pain or ass pain, like not ass pain, but constipation or whatever it is. Um, so it does. It, it finds new ways to I fuck like, with you. I like constipation defined as ass pain. Well, it is if you, if you do it right. If you do it the way it I do. A, yeah, it is, gotta, it's a pain in your ass. Um, <laughs> I, I think that ego is the same way. Like ego, ha, my ego is the same as my anxiety in that like when, I st- when it starts to dissipate, when it starts to... Um, you know, when I, when I sort of try to combat my ego, it will, with spirituality or whatever, it will attach itself to whatever I'm combating it with. So if I get, if I try to get spiritual, uh, to, to minimize my ego, my ego will then go, I'm the most spiritual. And it will like attach itself to spirituality, which is like the most disgusting thing to watch. Um, in others and in myself like I usually notice it in others first Mm -hmm. because it's just easier (laughs) sure um but if you've ever seen somebody who's like you know very egotistical about their spirituality I just those people are so fucking gross like Tony Robbins for instance makes me want to puke my guts out that guy is disgusting to me I I can't stand him or any of those like fucking, I don't care who they are. Marianne Williams, Tony Robbins, uh, the hugging saint, what's her face. Um, All of those people that like, it takes a certain level of ego to be like, I'm a spiritual leader, you know? Right. Yeah. And it, it corrupts people all the time. I'm a big Sam Harris guy. I don't know if you're a fan at all or I like him a lot. Yeah. His app, the waking up app, I recommend to everybody. It's like unbelievable. I think it's so great, but he talks a lot about like, there's been more quote unquote gurus that ended up, you know, rapists and whatever other variety of uh, misbehaving then have not like it almost feels like when you get to that level of devotion you automatically sort of become a piece of shit to have that kind of power which is exactly what you're talking about and i i can't name them but i've watched the one documentary wild wild country and uh, there's a few other famous ones that just started to be like or or yoga um bikram is another guy who starts to be like why don't you rub my feet and then you know blow me or whatever (laughs) Right. Why don't you rub my feet and then we'll kill ourselves together. Um, It it just really goes like from one level to the next very quickly. There was another guy. um, I was just listening to a podcast about him. It's called, I think it's Wondery, but it's a podcast. It's called Guru. It's about this guy who like brought people to a sweat lodge out in wherever. And, you know, he was like one of Oprah's people that he got like the golden touch from Oprah. And this like three people died in this fucking sweat lodge that he made them go into. And, you know, it's like these people don't understand that uh, people are coming to them because they're lost. Like, and you have to consider that. You have to consider that people, the people that are following you may not understand the concept of boundaries or like 
what they're okay with and what they're not okay with. And they might force themselves to do something to get your approval. Um, right. You know what I mean? It's like, so I don't know. I, that's sort of, I went on a tangent there, but I, I really, I don't, I find this whole like there's a there's a big like self-help revolution thing going on and there's so many people that are so lost and they and they they're kind of looking to anything for help and they just go they fuck they spin out right maybe I should be doing that with this podcast because I've gotten a lot of really nice reviews maybe I should start you know getting some of these guys to suck my dick or something absolutely you yeah. know, just test, test it out. Faith. Yeah. Test see, their if, faith. see if I like it, you know? Yeah. You know, take them out to Joshua tree, make yeah, them that's... do the mushrooms, test it out on them. See how you feel. Then take, then take some yourself. Yeah, exactly. Not a bad <laughs> idea. So are you, uh, are you a therapy person? Are you, a uh, big you time? Ta- oh, nice. Okay. So you're, you're currently still going to therapy. Yeah. Currently still going to therapy. Um, I, love my therapist. I've been to the same therapist for like eight years. Oh, nice. Yeah. Not, you don't go, you don't go to Alan, do you? No, no. You know, you know about Alan, right? I know about Alan. I know about the, the comedian's therapist. Alan's my um, hero. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's helped a lot of my friends. I, I go to this guy, Peter, um, who, who's in Brooklyn. He's like a little Italian man in Brooklyn. An Italian therapist. Yeah. That's kooky. Uh, you I know. It's do. very kooky. It's like, I can tell, I, I always say this to him, but I'm like, I trust you, you know, because A, you're Italian and, uh, and B, I can tell that your dad called you gay. Like, <laughs> he's like this holistic therapist, but he's like a little Italian guy, you know? And I can just, I can just sense that he's like been through enough shit to like commit to this life that he's got. Right. Um, that he knows what he's talking about. Now, is this the only therapist you've been to? Have you been, have you been going for years before that? Did you shop around or is it? I mean, I went, I was like forced into therapy when I was like eight or nine. Like, Damn. yeah, my mom made me go to therapy when I was like a kid. Cause I had like, uh, temper problems and like attention problems. I couldn't like pay attention in school. And I used to, uh, I used to just like have these emotional episodes. Um, like I would come home crying or I'd throw a rock at the window of my classroom. And this is like in kindergarten. Um, yeah. So I was really, uh, I was really like a, I don't know. I, I think they just didn't know what to do with me. And, um, they put me in therapy and I like hated it. I, I just, I was very, turned off to the idea of therapy because I was, I think, forced into it at such a young age. And uh, at back then it was like, nobody went to therapy. That was like unheard of, you know? Right. Um, not unheard of, but like a kid going to therapy was weird. Yeah, was it's like, super weird. Yeah, that was like a kid with problems. And, um, <laughs> and uh, I remember also I, I used to overeat and they were like, Oh, she's, well, she's overeating because there's like, there's an issue. I, we don't know what the issue is, but this girl won't stop eating. And they were right. I wouldn't stop eating, but I'm an addict. So (laughs) I think it was that, like, it was like, I was just trying to like shove food into the hole in my soul. 
It's so amazing because that's like still formative years. You came out hot. Like you came out rocking and rolling. I mean, so were your parents together? Was it a crazy situation? I mean, I don't know how deep you want to go into this. No, buddy. I was, I mean, listen, it was just me. I, nothing was going on. My parents were fine. I just came out, I literally came out into the world just like, all of this is too much. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, like I was reading the power of now in seventh grade. Wow. That's where I was at. Um, so, and you know, I didn't care about it. I wasn't like, but I, I was like, I need help something. I, I need help. (laughs) So, uh, I was like doing all this fucking shit for just when I was a teenager. Um, trying to get some answers for why I felt so shitty all the time. And, uh, and then finally, you know, I, I, I was like, I hate therapy. I don't want to do therapy, but I, I found my way to it eventually because, uh, I was going on my own. You know, I wasn't like forced into it. Right. Right. Yeah. I went to, my parents sent me to therapy when I was really young. I'm getting that popping again. You don't hear that. You don't hear like a, no, but if it's my, it might be my mic. No, it's so, got to be me because it's only when I'm talking. Oh. I think it's me. I think I'm stupid. I don't know. It must be that you're stupid. That must be it. <laughs> That's what I think <laughs> it is. But anyway, so I went to therapy when I was young because I was like so um, like psychotically introverted. I feel like I was almost like the opposite of you. Well, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm not the opposite. You said you're overreading. I just picture you coming out like, fuck all y'all. <laughs> just going crazy. <laughs> yeah. like breaking shit and kicking stuff over. But yeah. I was so um, introverted that they thought something was wrong with me. Like I just stood in the door. I didn't make friends. I didn't talk to anybody. And then I remember like in kindergarten, I didn't go to preschool for whatever reason. My mother was like, okay, it's time to go. I was like sobbing. And I remember being like, no. It was like fucking one flew the cuckoo's nest. I was going crazy. That's crazy. That's exactly what the fuck happened to me. Oh, interesting. My first day of kindergarten, I went into school. I was on the bus. I started crying. I, I remember sitting down on the bus. I don't remember shit from my childhood, but I remember this day. I remember sitting on the school bus and you know, the space between the seat and the window. Yes. Like the, the kid would, this kid in front of me, like turned around and was like this. He was like, what's your name? And I just started fucking sobbing. I was like, no. And I cried the entire fucking day, the whole day. And That's it was, it was hilarious. horrifying. That's a lot. I mean, that could be a bit. That's really funny. But my thing was she, my mother, the first day I didn't go on the bus. Eventually I did, but my mother just drove me and dropped me off. And I think I remember being like, what are, what are you nuts? Like you're, you're going to leave me here. Like, and I think cause everyone else had gone to, and I've heard other people say this and Sarah said the same thing. And Dave Chappelle said this on inside the actor's studio. I think it was on inside the actor's studio. Yeah. It felt like everybody had met. Like it felt like everybody knew each other. I feel like I was the last one there. And that it was like, loud. you know, when everyone's talking in a room and it was just like that, rah, 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 like you couldn't make out. And I remember yeah. just being like, how am I going to penetrate this? <laughs> How am I going to just come in and be like, Hey, me too. And I was like, I got nothing to offer. I'm yeah. fucking stupid. I'm scared. And it was insane. The idea of my mother just leaving me with strangers Hold on. was psychotic. Sorry. Oh. I had to tell my, I had to tell my puppy to shut the fuck up because whenever there's an ambulance that goes by, she does the same sound. Oh, fun. 
Yeah, it's a fun. Anyway, no, I totally get it. I feel I felt the same way. I would. I, it's like you. It's a new world. You don't have any. You have no skills to operate in it. None, and they just leave you there. And it's like there you go. Yeah, I did not fucked. I did not <laughs> like it. And it's funny because that feeling is the same feeling I still have now as an adult. Every situation I do whether it be somebody's podcast or a club, I'm like, I, I, I can't go in there. This is crazy. Yeah. Like yeah. every comedy, I've been doing comedy 20 years. If I go to a club for the first time, I still walk in like, hi, is this okay? Can I come in yeah. here? And then when I leave, I'm like, that was great. That was fun. I love it. But yeah. when I get there, it's horrifying to me. Yeah, I, I actually, I'm very similar I'm good at faking it though. I, I learned over the years how to like fake it um, a little bit. And I think that has helped me a lot. Uh, but for the most part that it's like, even if I'm acting differently on the outside, that's how I feel on the inside is like every time I go on stage and especially this year, because a, there is no stage and, <laughs> and B, you know, it's like telling jokes at a funeral because everyone's just going through this like collective trauma right now. Right. I just walk on and I'm like, I feel like so um, rusty and unworthy of being there and out of practice and just, it's just awful. Like it's like the worst feeling. (laughs) And especially because you know, being around people, I think, is the only thing that fixes that. Like, if you're left to your own devices and you're th- and you're just with yourself in your own head, it gets worse. Totally, yeah. No, I mean, like, yeah. Oh fuck! This this I don't know. What Sorry, this I didn't mean to. I stepped on you. <laughs> no, no. As soon as I start talking, it starts doing this popping. But if you're not hearing it, maybe it's not coming through on the Zoom. I'm really not hearing it at all. Oh God, I want to kill myself. It's so bad over here. I mean, it's definitely because you're stupid. I think think that's what's important to remember is that whatever's going on in your brain, the chemistry, it's interfering with the mic. The mic is getting confused from being so close to your thoughts. (laughs) That's probably what it is. Um, But now I forget what I was going to say. But yeah, no, I mean, doing shows, I'm like, I'm in this weird spot now where I'm like, I I don't know if I can keep doing these shows. I've done a couple good ones, but that like stand up New York in the park, no microphone thing is insane. And um, the Zoom shows are weird. Some of them are good, but the the whole thing is just really... uh, a weird, weird time. But a few weeks ago, you were saying that you were feeling pretty good because you were starting to do these shows again. Has that worn off at all for you? Well, I think what it is, like, you do a few shows and they're good. It just makes you want to go back to working. Like right now, and it's, for me, it's like not even financial as much as like, I just want to do create. I like, I like writing and trying a new bit and it works. And now I'm like, that's kind of a bit. And then I'm like, I'll try that again. And seven days when I have my next set in a park. Um, So I kind of just want to go back to uh, work and podcasts are great and fun, but they're not as, uh, well, they're not, I shouldn't say as, but they're, they're a different kind of thing. And you start to feel, I also just released this special and people have been really 
nice about it and kind about it and been like, it's great and yada, yada. So it makes it's you want to so like, good. I oh. was watching it last night. It's so fucking good. Oh, it really is. But it makes me want to write. That's what, that's how I feel. It makes me want to do it again. I'm like, let me go create some more. I, I, I could do, I could do better. Like, which again is probably not the best uh, mindset yeah. of like, it, it, which probably harkens back to some sort of childhood thing of like, you like that? I, I got to do that again. Like I, you know, you're trying to get everyone to like you, I guess. Well, I don't know. I think that's one of those things where there's like, there are impulses in us that are, that are like sick or, and whether they're like based in, I think it depends, you know, because there is just like that desire to do better next time. There is just a desire to keep improving. And, you know, I, I see this and I hear this a lot and I do it myself where, where I'll go, Oh, it's so fucked up. Like I'm always trying to like do better than the last time. And, but sometimes it's just like, yeah, you're just trying to be better than the last time. You know what I mean? It's like, that's the thing that keeps you going. And even if it's, uh, even if it does come from like this, whatever sick desire to prove ourselves, it has become a really healthy tool in our lives in a lot of ways, you know? Yeah, that's a good that's a good point because we do have a, a tendency to be like everything I'm doing is wrong and fucked up and sometimes it's like right. I just I like telling jokes and um that was really helpful to me um when I was shooting the special and now trying to have it be out is to not think of it in a self-centered way of like I can I can do better or I can I could sell the next special for such and such money or I've I've gained this many followers but to be like oh I'm bringing people joy like these people are yeah. really enjoying and connect to the human beings that are like I really enjoyed my night with my wife watching this instead of being like all right two more fans great and that's when it's right. really helpful which again is avoiding that self-centered thinking and and being in our own heads which is kind of what we were talking about a moment ago yeah yeah it's very um I feel like the only times that I do well now uh, when I'm doing these outdoor shows or whatever, it's like just remembering that these people haven't been out of their houses either. And like, you know, my only job is just make them happy. And that is tough because a lot of my jokes are really dark. And <laughs> I I feel a lot of the times I'm just like, yeah, it's like, I'm not, I'm standing under a patio umbrella talking about abortion. It just doesn't fucking work in broad daylight. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, so every time I do a set, I feel like the drunkest bridesmaid at the wedding, you know, like I feel like I ruined something for someone. Yeah. (laughs) And, And I'm trying to get over that, but it's like, it's tough. This is, you know. I, I really just spun out. There was a larger point I was going to make, but I, I really just sort of spun out into self-hatred. No, I appreciate it. That's what this show is all about. And you have the thing that I have as a, someone in recovery, you still drink like you're boozing. Like you're like, ah, oh, that sucks. And then you just fucking bottoms up a can of LaCroix. I do that all the time. Like, I, I don't know. And I just take a water and I just pound the fucking whole thing and throw it. <laughs> you just pour it on your face. <laughs> and then just crush it on your head. And you're like, I don't know. Fuck up. But 
Well, that's the funniest thing. Just like, just some alcoholic that's never had a regular beverage is getting sober at a meeting. Right. He's like drinking coffee, smashes a styrofoam cup against his head, and throws and it. Just, yeah, and fucking punts wall. it. And he's like, "Shut up, you fucking asshole." Um, now, were you? Were you? Did you drink when you were a? This is a side note from a different i'm going i'm switching thoughts midstream here but did you drink while you were doing comedy or did you start after you got sober no i started way after i got sober i started six years after i got sober oh wow yeah i don't know how people get sober like after already drinking while doing comedy that shit blows my mind like that's like a fucking miracle to me because i just I can't imagine, like, however hard it was to get sober, I, I think has, it's got to be, like, doubled if you're a comedian. Because um, you're just around it all the fucking time, you know? And, like, for me, when I quit, I had to give up a lot of shit. I had to give up my friends. I had to give up my, uh, my whole way of life. So I, I look at, like, like, you quit before or after you started comedy, right? You quit yeah, your, well, you were a couple years in. I was, a, I was many years in. I was like, God, I don't even want to admit how many years in. I was like 13, almost 13 years in. Yeah. I've been doing yeah, comedy that's for like amazing 48 years. <laughs> I don't know how people fucking do that. It's crazy. Yeah, well, I mean, part of it was the career. My career was just going so shittily that I was like, all right, I got to stop doing this yeah. this is this yeah. is not working and um but yeah i mean it definitely it was crazy to be around career stuff i mean that's what i think about is like drinking the way i drank and the way i'm sure you drank we obviously didn't drink together but to be in work environments drinking like that is so insane but yeah. comedy was like that i mean i always think the funniest thing to me in the world is the idea, and I've been laughing about this for 20 years now, the idea of like a comedy Christmas party is so funny. The idea of like, guys, it's the holidays. Let's all get together. Just let our hair down a little. Let's just <laughs> cool out and have some fun. <laughs> like, it's so funny. Right. Like the idea of a yeah. Christmas party is like you work at an office. It's very stiff and everyone's very, oh, hello, good meeting. And then you have a Christmas party. You're like, let's have a few drinks and loosen up. And the idea of doing that in comedy is just so funny of like, we're going to have an like open if, bar. If any of you haven't tried crack yet, <laughs> right, we're going right. to get together for Christmas and uh, we're going to smoke some rock. But, um, <laughs> but that's, I mean, it was like that on the road. Like I would be on the road and just the, the work was in the way of the drinking. I was like, let me see how drunk I can get. I would start now, but I got to do this fucking dumb show first. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, I, did, I mean, it was just destroying my career. And obviously, my I hated myself even more than I do right now, which is tough. Yeah, well, that's significant. <laughs> I, I do think that it's funny, like, did your career get better immediately when you quit? Pretty much immediately. I mean, like, I... I went to the cellar like a month later. Like I went to audition. I had been passed at the cellar and then stopped getting booked. And then when I got sober, I was sober for like a month. And I was like, let me start trying to make things happen. Because if, if I'm just going to get sober and not try to do anything differently professionally, then what's the, even the point? So I went and started right. asking people like, hey, can you put in a word for me at the cellar? And I got passed at the cellar like 
I think like I was like five weeks sober. Oh, wow. So Holy like, shit. I started getting spots there and this, this clicking and popping is happening still, but only on my speaker, I guess. Yeah. I'm, I'm not, not going to mention I'm that not again. Hearing it. All right, I'm never but mentioning it. If we do again. have to re record, I'm down. I don't care. Um, um, oh, God, you hate it. Like, you hate this episode. No, this has been great. Uh, I, I was talking to Andy, and Andy was like, because uh, he got sober after starting in comedy. And he, it's really funny to me because he always talks about like, yeah, I got sober and everything got worse. (laughs) He was like, he was like, everything just got so much shittier until he moved to New York. And because in New York, I think you can just focus on comedy and I, it's almost like a Ponzi scheme, how quickly you can get ahead in New York just by getting better at stand-up. Right, right. Well, it's interesting. Sarah and I always talk about, there's actually not, when you look at comedy, I feel like in general, there's not a ton of comedians who are really successful that are crazy drunks. Like, it's hard to be a drunk and successful at comedy. Yeah. I mean, there's there's some, but like, in in this city at least, most of the really successful comedians aren't partying that hard i feel like but maybe i'm just saying because i'm old and i hang out with sober people no i think you're right because i there's a lot of people that are so fucking funny so funny and you know i go why what's going on like why aren't they like why aren't they ahead of where they are and the longer i i'm around comedy and the longer you know you get to know people you start to get to know more about them and you're like oh Okay. Like you just start to see them around and you go, you start putting pieces together and you go, that person is in their own way. That's the only reason why they're not ahead of where they are. Totally. Yeah. I mean, like I'm trying to think of like, I mean, I don't want to out people as like alcoholics or something, but I'm just trying to think of like, there's not a lot of people in the city that are like really doing well, successful and are like drink very heavily. I mean, like, Bert Kreischer's not in New York, but like he's someone that's like a party guy. He drinks a lot and is extremely successful. Um, Yeah. But he's made that his thing. That's part of his thing is like, I go out, I party, I drink, I do shots. Um, Yeah. I don't know. I mean, this is like, he's he's like, uh, it's crazy. When I look at Bert, I'm like, I just look at him in awe. Like as, as an alcoholic, (laughs) I, I look at him and I'm just like, you're a God. Because it's like, (laughs) I can't, he, I mean, to be able to like drink as much as he does. And then he'll like wake up the next morning and just fucking, I opened for him in Philly. Yeah, it was Philly. And he was like, oh yeah, I'm going out with the fans tonight. And then tomorrow I'm going to bike from Philly to DC tomorrow morning at six in the morning. And I was just like watching his Instagram story. Like this guy's hungover and he's biking through several States in one fucking day. I I couldn't imagine. Yeah, it's insane to the point where I've suspected that he was faking how much he was drinking, but all his friends, everyone that really knows him well, and I'm friendly with Bert, they're like, no, no, he's drinking like that. Because I was like, he must be doing like Dean Martin, like drinking apple juice and pretending, or he's throwing beers underneath the thing. It can't be yeah. possible. But um, yeah. I think he is. He's like a superhero. But it's funny as like, we're alcoholics. The idea of like, I have the same thought of like, he's amazing. Like, I'm like, yeah. that's so cool. I'm like, yeah. look at him. 
But yeah, I feel like I'm meeting like a DC comic hero. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just like, hi, you know? Yeah. I, I, I don't mean, know. I'm, he's really uh, like, he defies the laws of nature. <laughs> yeah, it's impressive. Because for me, I don't know. How, you must have been pretty young when you quit drinking, right? Yeah. Yeah, I was like uh, 22. Yeah, because I, I was... 22. I was 30, about to be 31. And uh, that's what part of the reason when I hit 30, hangovers became a different situation for me. Like when I was 23, I would, same thing, I would drink like blackout drunk and then play basketball the next day. And then when I would hit 30, a hangover would, I'd lose a day of my life. Yeah, man, I I never, I mean, the hangovers, like I could just keep going. when I quit drinking, like it was so weird that I even quit that young. Like there's so many times when I've just been like, why the fuck didn't you just like stick it out? You know? But, uh, when I look back at it, I'm like, there's no way that I could have because I kept waking up the next day and people would be like, you tried to kill yourself last night. And I'd be like, well, I was drunk. And they'd be like, well, I'm fucking traumatized. Um, (laughs) so like I couldn't keep it going because it was just too, you know, people would, uh, they'd be like, you're hurting us. (laughs) Yeah. I remember one time uh, I was in the North end of Boston, which is like little Italy. And I fell asleep on the side of, on a building, like on the ledge of a building, it was like a six story. And it was like, um, you know, it was like the thick little mini wall around the building. And I was on top of the thing. So it was like this wide, it was like, whatever, (laughs) as wide as my ass. And I was just laying on it. And I like completely fell asleep. And my friend Ryan, like woke me up with like his left hand covering my hip. So I would not fall and like pulled me off the roof. And he's like, dude, you were just asleep there. And I was yeah. like, what? I'm like, and I was mad. I was like, what are you doing? I'm asleep. Let me fucking sleep, you fucking douche. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, look where you are. And I looked down, it was like a six story. Like I w- if I had rolled off, I would have just landed whatever the fuck, face first. Yeah. And I remember like a girl being like, that was crazy. <laughs> I was like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was like that. I remember my, go away. Um, my dogs, sorry. I swear to God. If there's one area that I have completely fucked up, go fuck off, please. I love you, but fuck off. Go away. Um, If there's one area that I've like fucked up, it's it's adopting dogs. Like I only have two, but every time I'm going through like a uh, an uncertain period of time in my life, I get a dog. And my therapist has pointed it out, and he's right. And I just, it's like I can't could I can't deal with them. But is there some like I always for sorry what is there some like uh thera- therapeuticness what's that word uh yeah there's there's a there's a therapeutic value I guess to them but um rescue dogs are a, a shit show you know like a rescue dog is like yeah they're they're um they make you feel good but for the most part, I'm like constantly stressed out about the fucking dogs. Yeah, Louis has a great bit where he goes, I rescued a dog and then it bit everyone I know. So I returned it and got a dog that works. Yeah, uh, that, I love that like, bit. I love like, that fucking bit. It's, it's so good. But the problem is mine isn't like my other dog was like that. My the, the We just got a puppy that we bought, which was like, that's the way to go. But um, the one that I have, Charlie... 
he's like so sweet, but it's suffocating. You know, he's like constantly like he's sitting here fucking crying at me. I have no idea what's wrong with him. I don't know what he wants. (laughs) And he's just whining. For no reason. Yeah, it sounds horrible. And I think a lot of ways having <laughs> a baby is easier than having a dog. I know. People who say that, uh, you know, people with kids would just like slap us both in the mouth for <laughs> saying it. But I um, I, I truly like, at least I, I think that having a puppy is way harder. Because at least, like a baby isn't born knowing how to walk. Right. So, so it's not shitting on all the things that you value. Right. You Good know, point. of course it's shitting everywhere, but it's like you're, it's on a table. It's in a diaper. Uh, when we got this puppy, it like the puppy pissed in my hair. Okay. It jumped on the bed and pissed in my hair. So uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, Andy told it too. Uh, he was, it was his idea. Um, do you guys, are you guys think you're going to have kids? Is that an annoying question? Cause I get annoyed when people ask me, but I'm asking you anyways. Um, no, most people don't ask me that question, I <laughs> which I'm almost insulted by because I'm like, I always hear about people getting like harassed to have children and nobody seems to want me to. Oh, that's so, another bit. That's really funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I don't know if we're going to have kids. I, I feel like. If things keep going the way they are, um, I might just do it, but I don't know if I want them or if my calendar is just empty. Like I really can't, I can't tell. Um, I'm sure part of it is biological, but I don't think that the biological urge would be as strong if I like had road dates. You know? Right. Right. Yeah. It seems like, uh, it's something to do. It seems like something fun to do, but I worry. And then people get really bummed when you bring stuff up like this with people with kids, but mm-hmm. I'm like it in many ways, and maybe I'll bum people out here and that's supposed to be the opposite of this podcast, but in many ways it feels <laughs> irresponsible to bring a child into this world, knowing what we know about, um, you know, climate change and automation and the economy and fucking all that shit where I just picture having a kid and then they're 20 years old and it's 148 degrees and the oceans are dry and they're like, wait, what? Yeah. You knew about this? And you're like, yeah, we were bored. Yeah. (laughs) What the fuck else was I supposed to do? I didn't have road dates. Yeah. I just felt like shooting a hot one in my wife and uh, we... we, (laughs) We had nothing to do. So, yeah, sorry, it's really hot. And and by the way, I know the oceans are expanding, not getting dry. I realize as I said that, I'm going to get some angry tweet being like, dry, yeah. they're rising. <laughs> but you know what I mean, whatever. Yeah, I do think uh, there is something, there's something really, especially when you're sober, there's something really uh, great about just just going for it, just saying fuck it. Let's fuck up our lives. It's like the only way to fuck in a way that's like destructive when you're sober. And especially when you're like married and sober, you're, you know, you're like, let's fuck our lives up a little bit. And yeah. And then, you know, you spend the rest of the month being like, ah, it's just, (laughs) (laughs) there's, there's something about that. We've been doing that a lot. Um, Just each month is like a real uh, waiting game, you know? Yeah. It sounds like fun. Yeah, it's sort of Russian roulette in reverse. Um, in reverse, I guess, yeah. Yeah, sure, uh, that works. 
Right. Um, and um, I've heard people make the case to me, a couple people, but sometimes I think there are people that just want you to have kids because they have kids. Um, right. But they say, well, you have it like you worry about the future of the world, but you having a kid as a responsible person who cares about people and civilization, you would raise a kid that thinks that way. And we actually need more people to raise children that way because people are going to be having kids no matter what. So maybe your kid, which also feels strangely egotistic in some ways, but it's like, oh, maybe our kid will offset some of the shitty kids because our kid will be like, we got to, you know, plant sunflowers or whatever the fuck you do. Right. Yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, I get it. I think they're saying that kind of shit to you because you you actually do seem like a responsible person. Uh, but I, I, also, I also think about this a lot and I talk about, my, I talk about this with my therapist a lot where he, he sa- has said many times, he's like, it's always the least qualified people become parents. Right. It's always the least qualified people that are the first to become parents because he goes the, a lot of times the desire to create has been misplaced, like, or it's, is that the right word? Displaced. It's like, yeah, when you Mm, misplaced rage, but it's like misplaced creativity where they'll, they'll go, well, instead of creating something and becoming something myself, I'm going to do this because that way I feel like I'm becoming something, but I'm, I'm really kind of putting it all into this other person. And, um, you know, that tends to be his perspective. He's very like, he's almost like anti parenting. Um, but I, uh, I, I think, I think he's right. Like when I look at my own life, I'm like, and I think about the order in which my friends had kids it was the least responsible people that had them first. It was the the most like existentially lost human beings that had right. these kids first. And the ones that I that I look at now, they're like fully formed human beings with like you know, they're like self-actualized and they actually have something to pass on. Uh and they're making the conscious choice about whether or not they want to do that. That's that's cool, you know. I think that's a good time to have kids if you want them. Yeah, but, I guess it, it makes it makes sense that the more thought you put into having a kid, the better parent you're going to be because you're maturely making decisions based on your abilities. Yeah, yeah. I uh, we I mean Andy and I've talked about it a lot. Where we'll, it's like we'll go back and forth about it. Like I'll look at a kid. We'll and it's it's always like we always feel pretty much on the same page with it. Like we'll be in a park and a kid is acting a certain way and we'll look at each other and be like, ugh. And then <laughs> like, and then like the puppy will cuddle with us in like this like really sweet way. And we'll both be like, ah, this would be kind of nice, you know? Right. Um, but we're both back and forth about it. I really don't know. Yeah, it's and tricky. Also, I mean, being a mom, it sucks. Yeah, then you're a mom. You'd be like a hot mom, though. That's cool. That's fun. That's there's no such thing as that. They always say that's a thing, and they don't fucking believe it. Nobody thinks there's a hot mom. Like, no, they, we were at the go, beach today. There was a hot mom. <laughs> really? Was was she a hot mom? Was she like, like, uh, was she like what kind of hot? We can't be sure. It might have been a sister. It might have been a you know had a young kid. There and, you go. Yeah. There because, you go. 
she was too hot, but she was motherly. I mean, she was with the kid and the kid was going, Hey, can I get whatever? Uh, and she right. was like hot, hot. So, but that's the thing. You only think she's hot because she doesn't look like a mom. Like, it's like, if you can't tell that she's a mom, then it's hot. But it's like, you can't, unless, <laughs> I'm like, I got to find a surrogate. I would love to find a surrogate and sit on my couch and tell her what to do. Yeah, that seems like fun. That really actually seems like my dream. It's just being like, make sure you work out every day. Keep that baby healthy. <laughs> Maybe do that. But I, I'm feeling bad, by the way. I do think I, I'm not a doom and gloom guy. I do think we're going to be okay with climate change and everything. I, th I think we'll do a lot of inventing. I think capitalism yeah. will, will pay off in some ways and that there's a lot of money in saving the world. I don't want to leave people because people come to this podcast because they're sometimes some of them are stressed or anxious or scared. So I don't want to think that the world's going to end. We're going to be just fine. Yeah. And here, I mean, I'm not the greatest at giving out comforting advice, but I will say this. If it is the end of the world, there's nothing we can do about it. So embrace death. <laughs> that's, that's good. That's good advice. I mean, this is what I did. I gave 50 <laughs> bucks to the Nature Conservancy yesterday because I'm like, all right, that's what I can Hell do. That's, yeah. that's the minimum I can do right now. And, um, you know. We'll be, yeah. we'll be okay. I think desalination, we'll be able to do that. And then we might have to move inland a little bit. We'll build some seawalls and they got carbon uh, vacuums and shit. Listen, human beings have been saying it's the end of the world for so long. And I think it's just part of our, it's part of our culture now to catastrophize. I really do think that um, there are more people out there that care than those that don't. And I, uh, and I think that we're all, if each of us is doing their part in a, in whatever small ways they can um, and whatever big ways they can, I think that we're all going to be okay. Yeah. This is a, this is a good way to end. This is nice. We, we got nice and we're going to be fine. You're going to be, if you're listening yeah, yeah. and watching at home, you're going to be just fine. Or like you said, you won't be, and that's okay too. You have to accept. And uh, if you're suffering, it's probably because you're trying to control something that you can't control. Right. Like being poisoned. <laughs> yeah you can't control that or you can you can bring your own shit to the party i guess true true yeah um well thank you so much this was so fun yeah thanks for having me it was fun. i mean thanks for doing thanks it for <laughs> <laughs> thanks for thanks for we just reversed the i know you wrapped it up and i was like no i appreciate I it <laughs> that's, that's always just a good feeling back. it's always a good feeling when the guest wraps up you're like okay well that feels good i'm like oh shit <laughs> No, no, I just, I, I, you and I are the same in that whenever there's a loss of momentum, we panic. Oh, it's so. bad. I have no, I'm like, I've said, I've tried to do this as a bit. I've ordered, a, I'll order at a restaurant and if the waitress doesn't respond, I just keep ordering. I'm like, <laughs> let me get scrambled eggs and bacon. She just stands there and I'm like, and an orange juice and a smoothie and a Coke and a hot dog. <laughs> Fuck, say anything. And my bill's like 48 bucks. the whole thing? I'm like, shit. <laughs> um... But no, thank you. Hey, do you want to plug some things? Do you have some things you want to plug? Yeah, yeah. I have a I have a podcast with my fiance called Find Your Beach. Um, and I have uh my own podcast called Devil's Advocate with Rosebud Baker. And um yeah, you can find me on both of those and Twitter and Instagram at Rosebud Baker. Great. Well, thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. It's nice to see you and it's it's fun chatting. I, I it's always great enjoy to it. see you too. Great yeah. to see you too. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it was great. Thank you.
Mindful Metal Jacket is hosted by comedian Joe List. Produced by Joe List. Edited by Matt Kleinschmidt. Executive producers Robert Kelly and Matt Kleinschmidt for the Laugh Button Podcasts.